Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt and he had walked them across the Red Sea and was feeding them breakfast in bed with manna from heaven, water from a rock. They were having a great time out there in the wilderness and with all these blessings, of course, I speak with tongue in cheek. But God gives Moses a blessing. In fact, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, that would have been the tribe of the Levites, that would have been your priestly tribe. This is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This smacks of Genesis 128, which is where we tied our string in our labyrinth three weeks ago. When we think of Genesis 1, we typically think of Genesis being where the original sin took place. But we also found out before the original sin took place that God operated in his natural reflex, his most ancient of instincts, and that's the bless. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. After he had made them, this is the exact words the Bible says, He, God, blessed them. Said to them, be fruitful, multiply, name all the birds and fish and the things like that. God's basic instinct is to bless. Adam and Eve's first memory of God wasn't being kicked out of, out of the garden. Adam and Eve's first memory of God was being blessed by him. In Numbers, God gave the priest at this time, the Levi tribe, the, the Aaron and his sons, he gave them a, a blessing to say. And you've, we've, we've heard that most of us all of our life if we've raised in church and maybe if you've not even went to church, uh, you've heard, may the Lord bless you and keep you. You know that. Now, he didn't give them that as an incantation or a spell or some type of abracadabra words. There was a power, and there is a power, in the release of that blessing. And these priests, man, they represented God to the people, and for the people, they represented them before God. If there was a sacrifice to be made, you brought it to the priest, and he did it for your family. If there were praise that needed to be lifted up, praise and prayer that needed to be lifted up, then the, the priest would be the ones who would do that in the holy place for you. Once a year, they would go in there and they would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. We call it Yom Kippur. It's a feast that falls this week, in fact. Um, that's what the priests did. They made intercession before people. They represented the kingdom of God before people, and they represented the people before God. It was a big deal. Now, as typical, anytime Jesus gets involved, he turns things upside down and right side up. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 9. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 9. And what we see is we see a, a, a remorphing of the priesthood. The Bible says, but you, church, when we see this, but you, I, we need to read the word believer because it's speaking to the church. But church, Christian, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's possession. The Bible says that it's no longer the priests back in numbers anymore that are the priests. We are the priests. We are the ones who represent God to our community and we bring our community to God. That's the, that's the deal now. Um, we call that the priesthood of believers. And if you're a born-again believer, welcome to the priesthood. You may say, well... I, I'm not no priest, I'm a teacher, or I'm a preschool teacher, or, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a nurse, I'm a truck driver, I'm a prison guard. That's cool, and yes you are, but you're a nurse who is a priest. You're a truck driver who's a priest. You're a prison guard who's a priest. You're a road construction worker who's a priest. That is, that, that's just the deal. As a Christian, you are in the priesthood. Second, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, same verse, just come give you the rest of it. This is what a priest does. You are a priest so that you may proclaim. Church, say proclaim. proclaim. 
You are a priest to proclaim, to pronounce, to say, to reveal. That is your job. What are we supposed to be talking about? The excellencies of God. The blessings of God. How much He's blessed us. How much He means to us. It's our job as the new priest to proclaim, pronounce God's blessings wherever you go. What's that look like? In Matthew 10, really the first mission, the inaugural mission that Jesus gives His disciples. It's pretty cool. He sends them out, but He gives them very specific instructions, very specific directions. And I want you to look at this verse, and I want you to notice the sequence. When you enter a home, these words are in red in my Bible. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, then take your blessing back. Dang, that's what Jesus said. But we're going to pick this part a little bit because to me it's, it's, it's interesting. The sequence is significant because we typically only choose to bless people who are worthy. Who've deserved it. Who, who are good enough for us to give a blessing to. But that's really not what Jesus says in this verse at all. In fact, he says, give the blessing first, then ask questions. Release the blessing first, then let's see how it goes. Release the, and this is the sequence. If I'm wrong, then you tell me, but that's the sequence in this text. When you go to somebody, then bless them. It doesn't matter if that person's earned your blessing, they're deserving of your blessing, they've merited your blessing, or whether they've earned it. Uh, and that's the way we roll typically. We try to figure out if somebody's worthy of it. Jesus looks at it another route. He says, bless first, then ask questions. Um, as I get older, I, I'm, I'm constantly aware of something called default setting. Default setting is what Ridge does to my computer after I've made it angry. He will... <laughs> He'll put it back to what it originally did, the way the manufacturers wanted it to be. Then I've got to put all my, my junk back on it. But the default setting is the way the software was originally set up, that after you've messed it up, go back to the beginning, this is what it does. God's default setting is a blessing. Not that he's ever messed anything up, not that he's ever made a mistake, but the platform is this holiness blessing that God has. Church, if we are to represent God before our community, our family, our friends, our relationships, our jobs, our default setting is blessing. That's our go-to move. That's our basic instinct. What's that look like? Well, I'm going to tell you the first thing that's got to go if we're going to operate in this default setting of blessing. Ego's got to go. It can't be about you and me. It can't be about us. It's got to be about other people. It's got to be about God. In fact, if anything, the Bible says that we are crucified with Christ. It's no longer about us. He lives in us. It's no longer I that live, but Him that lives in me. It's all about putting people ahead of us. Mike, I don't like that. Y'all, that's what crosses are all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. Putting other people ahead of ourselves. Most importantly, God first. When we do that, man, we've got to assume the best of people. Be positive about people. Catch people doing right. Do you ever have somebody just catch you? They just look at you wanting you to do something wrong. Look to see what people are doing right. And bless them. Encourage them. Brag about people behind their back. You want to talk about somebody behind their back? Great. Brag about them. Tell other people how awesome they are. Well, preacher, they're not very awesome. Then be quiet. <laughs> be a blessing by adding value to others and loving others always. Our default setting is blessed first. And the only thing better than blessing is when we get to be a blessing. The idea of double blessing is not an idea that's fresh to me or, or Pastor Batterson. 
it's actually a, a blessing that's found in the book of Zechariah. And I'm sure that all of you are doing your Bible studies in the book of Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Uh, I'm going to read two different translations, I think, for you. But I want to kind of bring you, I want to suck you into the page if I can. It's about 578 B.C. The Babylonians had come in and they had sacked the temple. Carried off these prisoners of war who were living in Jerusalem, living in, in Israel. Brought them to uh, Babylon and they assimilated into the culture. They were prisoners of war. They were the slaves. They were the lower part of the caste system. If you were in India, they would be called the untouchables. These were the prisoners of war. Well, after 70 years, God takes them out of Babylon, takes them back home. They're going to rebuild the temple. This is what God says. And by the way, even though they were in bondage for 70 years, God saw every one of their sleepless nights. God counted every one of their tears. God, every, God knew every one of their struggles. God kept track of that mess. This is what the Bible says. Come to the place of safety, all you prisoners, for there is yet hope. I promise right now, I will repay you two mercies. I'll give you two blessings for each of your woes. Now that's a really great translation. I like the NIV better because it's, it's, it's more better. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of what? Hope. You remember what I told you they were when they were carried away? They were prisoners of war. But when they came back, they were prisoners of hope. They come back as prisoners of hope with the future. With a goal ahead of them. The prisoners had endured 70 years of bondage and, says, and God says this, I'm going to restore you so much. I'm going to restore you twice as much as what you lost. Does double blessing mean that God's going to give you 200% back? Does, double, does blessing squared mean that God's going to give you back twice? Not always, but it definitely does mean that it can mean that. Ask Job. Job 42, verse 10. Job, by the way, just, just a, a little back, a bit of a background sketch on him. Probably one of the wealthiest men in the ancient world. Uh, if you've ever read John, uh, Ron Phillips' book on ancient mysteries... There is one particular thought out there that says that, that Job was so financially secure that he might have been actually one of the, the early movers and shakers sending money to build pyramids. I'm not telling you that's true or not. You can read the book. It's just interesting. The only point I want you to understand is this. Job had more money than Carter had liver pills. Lost everything. Lost his kids. Lost his valuables. Lost his real estate. Lost his property. Came close to losing his mind. His buddies come over, and these are the buddies you don't want to come over whenever you're going through a hard time. They, they blamed him and said, man, why don't you just curse God and die? Uh, these were not really good friends. Uh, his wife, she wasn't much better. Uh, and what Job does is this. Then when Job prayed for his... He's probably praying they got saved, to be honest with you. But he's praying for them nevertheless. The Lord restored. Church, say the Lord restored. Well, what's he restored? Well, the Lord restored his wealth and his happiness. In fact, the Lord gave him back twice. Twice? You know, well, that's the secret of this whole blessing squared issue. God is in the habit of giving you blessing when you've lost. And sometimes it's that loss that he will use of an avenue to bring blessing. You see, it's important that you notice that Job prayed for his friends. He forgave them of their shortcomings. He prays for them. And the Lord gave Job back twice as much as he had before. But then again, who's counting? I'll tell you who's counting. God. Yeah. God's counting how much you've cried. God's counting how much you've lost. 
God's counting how much your heart's been torn out. God's counting how much darkness you've went through. God's counting how many valleys of the shadow of death you've walked through. Don't worry about it. God's keeping track because remember what the Bible says? Vengeance belongs to Him. He's keeping track. All the time you're thinking, well, where's God? He's keeping track. He's not forgot you. I want you to listen to Job 42, 12. So the Lord blessed Job at the end of his life more than at the beginning. Man, how many of you would like to have more blessing at the end than the beginning? Amen. But that's exactly what God did. Well, what did he do? Well, for now we have 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. To me, that sounds like work. Don't know about the blessing, but that's a lot of work. I think God can do the same for you and me. I think that the same God that blessed Job and Israel, I think that same God can bless us. The best blessings from God, I believe for you and me, are still yet to come. Not just as individuals, but even as a church, even as a community. I think the best for what God has for us is still to come. In the Old Testament, if someone stole something from you, it's a really cool little thing in here. If somebody stole something from you, they had to pay you back. But not just pay you back. This is what the Bible says. And I told the folks this last night, and I need to impress this upon you. I'm giving you a principle, not necessarily a promise. And I think where we as Christians get into problems is when we think that the principle is the promise. I'm giving you a principle. If a man gives his neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if he's caught, the thief, if he's identified, the thief, if we know who he is, what will the thief have to pay back? Double. Double. Right on, right on. So you're telling me that if the thief steals something from me, and we know who the thief is, dude's got to pay me back double. Church, you ever had the devil steal something in your life? Maybe it was a marriage. Maybe it was your sanity. Maybe it was your health. Maybe it was your family or a job. Maybe it was your finances. Maybe it was a relationship with your kids. Maybe, maybe it was a spouse or somebody you love dearly, but somehow, some way, the devil has stolen, uh, has destroyed something in your life. Maybe it was a ministry. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was an opportunity. Maybe it was a career. Maybe it was a relationship. I don't know about you, but the devil has sure stolen his share from me. But that's what that dude does. In fact, John 10.10 10 says, the thief, the devil, he comes to do three things. Still kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come so that they could have life and all they want of it. Okay. It's going to get cool if you'll stay with me. By the way, it's like a five-page sermon. I'm going to page like three and a half. <laughs> stay with me. Remember what we said? If we can identify the name of the thief and we know who did it. Yep. What's the Bible say? Double. You get double. I want double. I want double blessing. I want blessing squared. We've talked about original blessing, the attitude of blessing that sticks to. I want to give you real quickly three steps to increase your standard of giving. Because we've, we've done all of these things and I want to put the linchpin in this today. I want to give you what you need attitudinally to live in a life that's blessing squared. Here we go. Number one, where do you start? Take inventory. Church, say take inventory. take inventory. That means you count your blessings. That means you count the things that God has given you, what God has brought into your life. 
Preacher, where'd you get that from? How do you think Job knew how many sheep he had lost? He counted them. How do you think Job knew how many female donkeys he had lost? He had counted them. How do you think uh, uh, he knew all of these things? Because he had counted them. And he also knew how much he got back. You know why? Because he counted them. Job counted his blessings. And here's the thing. The reason why we take inventory and we count our blessings is because once we know what we have, we can give it away. We know how we can help people. We know how we can bless people. We know how now we can reach out to them. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of your blessings, one of your mercies, not one of the beautiful things you've done for me. How has God blessed you? How have, how have you received the blessings? And you know what, real quickly, how has God blessed you? It, just, just real quick, how has God blessed you? Family. Family. Health. Health. Job. Anybody else? Les Paul, Les Paul guitar. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody else? Huh? Sight. Sight? Sight? Yeah. Six of you are thankful. Praise God. All right, all right. Once you identify what you, what you have, you can start dreaming about what we can give. So take inventory. Once again, we're talking about developing an attitude for that blessing squared. Take an inventory. Number two, find your niche. Or for the fancy, niche. Find your niche. How has God uniquely equipped you to bless people? What can you uniquely do? Now, there are people in the church who crochet prayer shawls. I cannot crochet a prayer shawl. But that's okay because God brought us somebody here who can. Maybe your job is to sing. Maybe your job is to teach, or maybe your job is to work with kids, and maybe your job is to cook in the kitchen. Maybe your job is to be creative. Maybe, maybe you're, you're an artist. Maybe you're into visual arts. Maybe you're, you're kind. Maybe you're, you're drawn to the downhearted and the broken. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but I do know that you're here and you've got a niche. You can do something here that nobody in this congregation can do. You and your family can bless people like no other family can. You and this church can bless this community like no other church can. We, have, we all must find our niche. Uh, there was a beautiful story about this, this uh, Down syndrome uh, young man. His name was Frank. He was a, uh, his, his job was he was a cashier at a grocery store. And he'd worked there for you know, five, six, seven years. And, and that's just what he did. And the guy was great at it. And everybody loved him. The Lord pressed upon Frank's heart one night that he was going to give a word of the day, a thought of the day to all of his customers. Just He was going to speak love into them. He was going to speak hope and relevance into them. And that's all he was going to do. So what he did is he would, he would find something and he would put it on a piece of paper. And he would zero, he would Xerox it. He would copy it, you know, a hundred times. And every time he had a customer... He would say, have a nice day, and he would stick that thought of the day down into the bag. Well, about a month or two later, this kind of began to catch on, and, and people began to enjoy those thoughts of the day, and kind of began to change the community and the surrounding area, began to change the store. And so, Frank's there at work early, bright, one Saturday morning. The manager comes in, and there is a line in Frank's row going halfway up the bread aisle, and he, come, he has a major league come apart, you know. That's not good business to have that big of a line. We've got all these, uh, we've got two other cashiers here, and nobody's in their row, so he has a freak out attack. And he starts saying to the customers, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, come over here. And say, no, I'm fine here. He goes to the back of the line, we've got open registers up here. No, it's okay, we're, we're good. So he goes up to the front and says, why, 
What's the deal? We're here for Frank. We want the thought of the we want the thought of the day. That little Frank had found his niche. Amen. That little Frank had found what God had put him on this earth to do. Now, for you, that may not sound like a big deal, but that was his niche. Amen. What's your niche? Nobody else could do what Frank did. But nobody else can do what Sharon Mitchell, Sharon Mitchell can do. No one else can do what Ethan Gendron can do. No one else can do what Tim Hall can do. Nobody else can do what Bill... Nobody else can do what Billy Rose can do. <laughs> what I want you to know is that you are, you are wonderfully and perfectly made. And God has a ministry for you. Page five. Did somebody just go woohoo? I don't know how to take that shape. I don't. Number three, learn other people's blessing language. Learn other people's blessing language. And I think there's probably just about as many blessing languages are there love languages, if you will. Um, I'm going to tell you what that means. Uh, Miss Pam and I speak different uh, blessing languages. Uh, probably you and your spouse will speak different blessing languages. I'll tell you what I mean. You know, sometimes you can give somebody a very precious gift, a very expensive gift. And you think, oh man, they're really going to like us. And maybe they don't. You know, maybe they're really nice cardinal tickets. Maybe they're really nice, uh, maybe it's a really nice piece of jewelry or something like that. And you give that to the person and think, oh man, they're going to be so thankful. And they're not. And it's like, well then you've just wasted the blessing. No. That's not their language. If you really wanted to bless them, the blessing they speak might be quiet time. You want to bless me? Uh, don't give me cardinal tickets. Take my kids for about a, a day. That's a blessing. Find out what blesses people and then speak their language. Find out what blesses people and then talk to them using that language. Now, you speak gifts. Maybe they speak a quiet time. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be expensive to be a blessing. It might be a simple note. It might be a text. It might be making a meal. It might be paying for the car behind you at Taco Bell. Learn how others receive and feel blessed. We need to find out what makes Chester feel loved and blessed. And then speak the language. Most of all, this isn't another step. Have fun with this. Don't worry about, am I doing this right? Can I mess this up? Y'all, when you're operating to bless people, you're not going to mess this up. And you're working for the kingdom of God. He's not going to let you do that. Have fun while you're doing this. In fact, the Bible tells us this, that Jesus had said this in the book of Acts. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a promise. Amen. That's the promise. If you want more blessing in your life, it's taken me three weeks to say this. You want more blessing in your life? Bless people. That's it. Will you let God do in you a miracle by being a blessing to others? Not because they've deserved it or not because they've earned it, but because you're a priest. You've been saved not because you've embraced the Christian religion, but because you've embraced the Christ of the religion. 
It's not about the religion. It's about the Christ at the center of it. Read an interesting story. Back in 2003, there was a, a, a school for the untouchables uh, in India. The untouchables are the uh, lowest class in the, the caste system over there. They don't have any rights. I mean, if you're an untouchable over in India, up until 2003, and it still happens, uh, you, you, were, you were treated worse than a dog. Uh, if you're a girl and, and you were raped, there's, there's, no, there's no criminal trial. Nobody's looking for your rapist. I mean, it's horrible. And again, y'all, I'm not talking 1820, I'm talking 2003. A group of Americans sent a, a care package over there to that school for the untouchables, a Christian school for the untouchables. It was full of, of toys, girls with dresses. Uh, the girls received dolls where the clothes could come on and off. It was a nice doll. And the boys received some type of a toy. The, the headmaster of the school, man, they, it was a blessing to these kids. They're the untouchables. They have no money. They live lower than dogs. And the head principal said, Boys and girls, this is awesome. Man, what a, what a beautiful blessing. There's a village just about 10 miles out of town. There's another school just like ours. And the headmaster there told me that those kids aren't going to have any Christmas this year. In fact, they don't even know what Christmas is. They don't know who Jesus is. What about next Sunday? What if you brought your old toys in and we'll, we'll take them down to the village 10 miles down the road? Kids, yeah, we can do that. Next Sunday... Every one of those kids, all 60 of them, brought in a toy. But it wasn't their old toy. <laughs> Every single one of them brought in their new toy. And the headmaster said, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I asked for your old toys. And I want you to remember something about these untouchable kids. Jesus had already touched them. Yes, yes, little, little kid said, Jesus has given his very best for me. He's given his very best to me. How could I give any less than my very best to him? Church, can you give him less than your best? Are you giving him less than your best? If so, then what a motley group of priests we are. Church, If you want to be blessed, then be a blessing. Do you want to be blessed? It's not about getting it. It's about giving it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed every eye closed. And if you want to go ahead in the back and get ready, I'd appreciate it. Ladies, if you begin to play. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Today, if you've not ever given your life to Jesus, if you've not received forgiveness of your sin, or maybe it's something that you just want to reaffirm in your spirit today about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a religion, but today you understand that there's a difference between the religion and the relationship. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Maybe as a first-time commitment to Christ, and maybe, maybe this is just a reaffirmation of your commitment to Him, but I don't want you to leave here not knowing where you stand with eternity, where you stand with God. The Bible says, For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. 
But the Bible also says that God offers us forgiveness through His Son, Jesus. And it's only through Jesus. It's not through a church or water or membership. It's through a person. And today, if you will confess that you're a sinner, and all that is is saying, yep, I am. That's admitting it. I am a sinner. The Bible's already said I am. It must be true. Then confessing with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. I want to walk you through a, just a simple prayer of salvation. This prayer doesn't save you, okay? God saves you. And I mean, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You genuinely mean this prayer. You genuinely mean this prayer. My God genuinely hears you. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I am in sinner, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross in my place. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. And be my Lord. I give you my life. And I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Man, today, if that's the first time you've said that prayer and you felt it and you meant it, there's something new in your spirit even right now. Down deposit, the Holy Spirit has been placed within you. You have felt sin leave. You felt a burden leave. Y'all, don't let the devil convince you that that is psychosomatic. What that is, is that is, that is a beautiful relationship coming into fruition. That's you entering into a relationship with the Almighty God, King of the Universe. Don't discount that and don't explain that away. God's giving you that feeling, that emotion right now as a gift. Because as of right now, you, you're either recommitting to the priesthood or you're entering the priesthood. Be a blessing. Be a born again child of God. Blessing to the community, to the people you work with, to the people you live with, to the people you love. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray blessing over this, this, uh, this service, whether they're watching us online or whether they're here in person. Lord God, I pray and I speak blessing over their lives. Lord God, today, would you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Would you lift your countenance upon them and give them peace? And Lord God, I speak this blessing so they can be the blessing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen.